When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Welcome in. Bonus episode of Purple Daily here, gentlemen. On this Tuesday, if you missed reckless draft speculation with Thor, you're going to want to check that out. It's all about... Who might the Vikings lean on internally and in the draft now that Brian Flores is the new defensive coordinator of the Purple? The show is presented by TCL, which is now an official partner of the NFL, no matter what you watch. Maybe the big game this weekend. TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL brings more than just TVs to your life. They offer, offer mobile products, audio devices, home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology, and a shout-out to our friends over at Surly Brewing Company, the official craft beer of Purple Daily. Um, better get off the tracks when the train's coming through. The train's coming tracks. right through my house. train's coming right through my house, driven by Quasi and KOC, celebrating the hiring of Brian Flores. It's a locomotive of pressure and confusion yep. at the line of scrimmage, which didn't exist under Ed Donatel last year. It's a seven-man front, and it's coming right <laughs> through SLP. So for this little bonus episode... Let's sort of put ourselves in the shoes of Brian Flores. Um, Let's start internally. And then I also have three, as we continue our look at potential free agents, Judd, you you had a list last week of just some, eh, some cornerbacks, some linebackers, some guys that might be interesting. I've got three additional names now that Brian Flores is here that you should keep an eye on a free agency. But if you're Flores, you've sat down, you got this job. You probably delivered your opinions on who you want to keep, who you want to get rid of. Put yourself in the shoes of Brian Flores for a second. Mm-hmm. Daniil Hunter, Harrison Smith, the two veteran linebackers, Zadarius, right? Patrick Peterson. How are you sort of categorizing the internal options right now and how they fit into what you want to do, which is a lot of man coverage, aggressive looks at the line of scrimmage, yep. um, safety blitzes, etc. So... I think I think right away now, if I am Brian Flores, and I, I was asked, and he'll probably he probably was told, "Hey, look, we're up against the cap, so like you can't just say keep everybody." Uh, but I'm keeping Harrison Smith. I think that he is a linchpin to what Brian Flores is going to do. Not necessarily because he's going to rush a ton like he used to, but because his smarts and savvy are going to make him a multiple type of player, though, who can do different things. And you know what? When I watch him play still, so here, here's the difference between like him and Kendricks. And I'm not saying Eric wasn't misused, okay? But in watching Jordan Hicks and Kendricks, it was just clear that they're slowed. 
down. They are both, you know, aging at a position where 30 is basically going off a cliff. Harrison Smith, I think, for next season is going to be 34. Um, but when I watched him play, it reminded me to, to do a cross-sport comparison of, like, watching a Jared Spurgeon or a Brodeen play. Like, if you just watched him, not on TV, but at the game, what he brought still, just as far as knowledge and ability, even when he wasn't cast exactly right, was impressive. So my starting point is I want to keep him. Like, we're not going to cut him now. If he'll take a pay cut, awesome. But he could be a very important part into his age 34 season, which is impressive. So that's my most important one. Linebacker, um, I'm certainly going to start immediately or as soon as I can coaching up Asamoah, but I think both of those guys are gone. I think some folks will say, well, give Kendricks a chance now. But I saw enough of the foot speed problem where, where with what Brian Flores wants to do, I don't know that Kendrick's obvious savvy can overcome the lack of speed now. Mm-hmm. Hicks Hicks is gone too, which is which is not a loss, in, in my opinion. I, I mean, I think he's a good locker room guy, but that's not a tough loss. Um, Daniil Hunter, to me, showcase. Showcase player. I think that there is a ton. Like, every measurable of what Daniil Hunter did – in 2022 screamed he wasn't used correctly it didn't scream decline mm-hmm. Kendrick screamed decline Daniil Hunter still had 10 and a half sacks and that's just the most basic of stats but if you look at how he graded out from PFF if you look at when he was used correctly which means not drop back in into coverage um Daniil Hunter becomes a focal point of of a guy who loves to bring pressure and will often go with seven-man fronts, a guy that loves to play cover one, cover zero. So that's an absolute key. Um, I've got some questions about this one. The importance now of bringing back Dalvin Tomlinson, because Dalvin Tomlinson actually had a pretty good year, and Dalvin mm-hmm. Tomlinson's not, not going to be cheap. He's at the end of his contract. Uh, but you know what? He might not be the world's greatest nose tackle slash three tech, but he's still good. So that's one I think becomes more imperative that if he's not coming back, he needs to be replaced with a good player. Uh, Cornerback scares me. Cornerback, I don't know what you have right now. Uh, Patrick Peterson, in my opinion, is not coming back. Patrick Peterson loved this system and had a really good year playing a ton of zone. But Brian Flores likes to play man, which, God bless him, is way more fun to watch. But it also puts guys like Peterson on an island and makes them susceptible. And at his age, I'm not going to take that, that chance. So just as a starting point, I think the most two most important names that just jump out at me immediately as far as veteran guys who now stay, Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter, who, just keep in mind, is probably going to want a new contract, but Daniil Hunter still brings an absolute ton. All right. I agree with everything you just said. Um, I'm going to add one name to that list that I think I was much more in the, you got to save some cap space. He's... He's 31 years old. I think it makes it more likely Zadarius Smith is still around too. Because if you're if you're Flores, part of this is like you could have gone to Denver, you could have stayed in Pittsburgh. You didn't have to take this job. Like we've talked about all week, he's been getting head coaching interviews and a finalist as a position coach with Mike Tomlin. So he doesn't like need this as a springboard to to get a head coaching job necessarily. I'm guessing there were some certain promises made with personnel that, yeah, you can get rid of the aging linebackers, but for me to implement this aggressive system, I think Harrison Smith is still definitely in the mix with some gas left in the tank. Daniel Hunter, I think you just said, Zadarius Smith, 
you know, and I'm guilty of this too. We kind of we kind of looked at the second half of the season and said, "Ooh, boy." You know, he only had like he had one sack in the last seven games. Um, you know, his pressures dropped off. I think the knee contusion he suffered in that Buffalo game, I think that basically derailed his season. Now he's still because he's tough, right? He went out there and he knows that he, he knows the perception. He missed a bunch of time with a back injury. So he you know, any other season, he, he probably would have skipped a month's worth of games to just rehab that knee, right? But he said, uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't I've got limited time left on this football earth. I'm going to get out there. And so if you look at the first nine games of the season, a healthy Zadarius Smith led the NFL in pressures, led the NFL in pressures through the first nine games. He averaged six pressures a game. He had he had games of 11 pressures against Miami, nine on the road against Washington, nine on the road against Buffalo, and then the knee contusion. And then from that point forward, he averaged half of the pressures per game, six per game down to three per game. And so again, like, do you have to do something with that cap hit? Cause it's going to be pretty big. He's 31 years old. So it's not like he has two or three years left of high level play. But if I'm Flores, I say, if I have to live with young and experienced cornerbacks and a question mark at linebacker and pray for Lewis scenes leg to heal properly, please at least give me two edge rushers that know what they're doing. And Harrison Smith that knows what he's doing. So that to me, those are I think those are going to be the pillars that they move forward with, and everything else is fair game. Yeah, I think the Zadarius thing becomes really interesting just because he was a completely different player post the knee injury. Obviously, he was one of the best pressure rate guys in the first half of the season. Um, the cap it is it's still doable. Like it's not a complete overpay. I, I think he's still you know outside of the top fifteen, top twenty defensive ends in terms of cap hit for next season, um, but. At the same time, I mean, the cap savings there could be very intriguing, and maybe maybe there is a, a simple rework of that contract too to lower it again for twenty twenty three and and beyond. But I think it's now more likely that he's someone that stays. I I would have had him cut. I would I would I would have put the money line that he's cut more often than not pre uh, Brian Flores being hired. Now that he's back, or now that Brian Flores is, is here, I think Zadarius Smith indeed is back for two thousand twenty three. Also, one thing to consider, too, is I don't think they would cut Zadarius because he's still very good. So if you thought you could get like a set, if, if they got a, they traded a second round pick for a unique Ngakwe, you know, yeah, like z- this version of Zadarius is better than that version of Ngakwe. So you could get a second round pick probably if you decided that that cap hit was unworkable, Judd. The cap has to come down, though. It's 15.5 up from 3.2. So I got to bring that down. Um, also, the, the, other thing to keep in mind about what Flores is going to bring, and unlike Donatel, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think Brian Flores is going to deliver what's promised here. Um, the other thing about this, and and Phil, you know, you said I, I think that you watched a couple hours of uh, Brian Flores' film last night, and I was grinding film this morning, oh. uh, and we oh. both saw, and we both saw this. Look at the multiplicity of the pressure and where it comes from, too. Multiplicity so, of pressure. Football. So it's not. So it's not just all from the traditional edge rushers. It's it comes from the inside. It's all it's all schemed up on basically what he's going to need, and this might take some time too. But what he is going to need and implore from his players is, you know, at times he loves to run a seven man front, a seven man front. Okay. And he might drop one. 
he might drop one that that has to be aware of where the halfback is if he leaks out. But if the halfback stays in the block, he might rush seven. And so, like, you can't think of this as the traditional guys who are going to bring pressure. They remain important. But it's also, can you get pressure from the inside? Can, can if Dalvin Tomlinson comes back? And this is where I, I've got some questions because Dalvin can bring some pressure, but he's certainly not what, what I would consider fleet of foot. He can push the pocket more than bring pressure. Harrison Phillips. So, like, there are – that's my thing with Smith when, when you're looking at Zadarius's cap hit and contract is would keeping him stop you from making other potential investments because this is going to be far more of a of an effort of a lot of different guys because it's based on the schematics as much as individual players. I just think Daniil Hunter still is a star player. Yeah, well, listen, if it was, hey, you can only keep one of them, Daniil or Zadarius, I'm keeping Daniil, and Zadarius would be a luxury. But the other thing to consider here, too, is like you don't you only have four draft picks. They might get a fifth for a, a comp pick, but they will. So they, they're going to have five draft picks, but Conklin, yeah. they need resources for the future. They need it's, it's not like they have a, a great stable of young players ready to jump in on defense. We all feel like the coverage are pretty bare. So if a team did come along and say, hey, we'll give you a second round pick for Zadarius Smith and we'll figure out his contract. You probably oh. have to entertain that. Oh, a second round pick. Yeah. Oh, my God. You probably He's have gone. to entertain that. I'll drive him. <laughs> yeah okay. no no like if i can get a second or third round pick it's a done deal and then you go grab an edge rusher in the second round because there's this is a, a really deep edge rusher draft so you could you could find someone oh. and maybe patrick jones might get some more playing time way to maybe go maya, maya you're right ones out there she's exactly right she's got speed foot speed she can play corner <laughs> yep Possibly. on the on the other point you're making about pressure coming from different areas oh. schematically um miami safeties rush the passer 200 oh. times Yep. In Flores' last season there in 2021, 200, you want to call them blitzes or rushes, whatever it is, they sent safeties 200 times, sometimes both on one play. That was by far the most in the NFL. Now, Harrison Smith used to do a lot of this under Mike Zimmer. Some of it was schemed. Some of it was freelance, improvisational. Oh, halfback stays in the box. Therefore, I'm going to you know make around the quarterback. Um, but Harrison Smith was only deployed 14 times on pass rushes in 2022, by far the least amount in his career as a full-time starter. And that's an Ed Donatel scheme difference. These are both 3-4 defenses, while one of them is literally just sending safeties like 10 times a game to go terrorize quarterbacks. And the other one says, ah, let's play play back in this shell to make sure we keep everything underneath us. So there's just so many. And that's part of the reason why I think Harrison Smith – he still has gas in the tank. He fits perfectly with what Flores wants to do, and he can help bring along a Lewis scene. It just yeah. makes it way more likely that Harrison Smith, you know, finishes out his career as a Viking, you know, the next couple of years. Well, and and I thought one of the biggest faults of Donatel's defense was was this too. Harrison Smith is his biggest threat when he's allowed to freelance pre-snap. Like that's what Zimmer used perfectly, right? And the anticipation of pressure is probably worse than pressure itself at times. So the anticipation of we've got to account. Thank you very much. I'm glad you got that. Um, But but having to make sure that you know where 22 is, not just off the ball high at safety, but if he comes down and scene comes down, think about the confusion there. I, I mean, this all gets back to what some of what I expected 
Ed to do, and he, he didn't. Um, I think that this also reopens the door for potentially, if they don't identify linebackers that they love, for you to use an extra safety at times as a linebacker. You know, what's the, I mean, we talked about this last year and they didn't do it, but what's the stop? Lewisine is built. I mean, this guy's big. This guy is not a, 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 a you know, lean defensive back. This guy is built. What's to stop you from employing Bynum or Metellus, Seen, and Harrison Smith at the same time? Yeah. And Asamoa is is your one linebacker, and now you've gone big dime. Like these are all the things that we talked about Dude, that they you didn't just, do. Now you're just now you're just okay. saying football. Yeah, now you're just no. Now you're just, now you're just saying football. Big nickel, big nickel, big dime. Have extra safeties on. I'm just telling you that this is what we anticipated at least a little bit, and we didn't get a sniff of. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's uh, another thing to consider here, and then I'll give you the, the the three additional free agent names to keep an eye on. Yep, they're trying to figure out what to do with their cornerback pool, right? They've got they've got some young players. We talked about this more in depth with Thor on the um, the main episode of Purple Daily today, but who's coming back? Who do they trust? They've got they've got three free agents: Patrick Peterson, Chandon Sullivan, Duke Shelley. Chandon Sullivan's probably gone for sure, but. Duke Shelley is such a wild card here. He was put on waivers by the Bears, right? Like he's he wasn't a high or was highly. He a, yeah, I think you're right. Or or he was a practice squad guy. But yes, they they either way like said, we don't care. Not a highly touted right. player. He's like 26 years old. He's undersized. He's under six feet tall, and he was he was a slot cornerback with the Bears because of that. That sometimes it's tough to play on the outside, you know, over the long haul when you're under six feet tall. Yes. He was their best cover corner in man coverage last year. The Vikings ran a lot less man coverage than what Flores is going to run. Duke Shelley only had 66 snaps in man coverage, but he was excellent. 14 targets in 66 snaps, only five catches for 40 yards. Do you trust him to continue playing that way, the way that we saw the last you know, month and a half or two months? I would bet there's some regression at some point. There's a reason why. Like, you don't just find a guy at an yeah. all-pro level that just pops up the way that he played. I would prepare for some regression there if they did re-sign him. But it is interesting. Do you believe in what Duke Shelley did enough to bring him back as an unrestricted free agent? Well, I don't know. If I can do it on, on a uh, short-term contract for cheap, absolutely. If I can't, then no. I, I will say this. I don't think – Brian Flores probably has ideas from – watching the cornerbacks who are still on the roster on film. But I don't think that you're going to go into the off-season camps with anybody like set. Like, I don't think Cam Dantzler is set now. I, I don't think Booth is. If Booth can stay healthy, that might change. Um, but that's the one That's the one position, and it's three spots, that I would guess that nobody is assured a damn thing. Like, I think Asamo is in good, good shape linebacker-wise. Besides that, the position needs help and depth. Um, you know, I think that they certainly have ideas defensive line-wise, right? Uh, and safety-wise, I think you're in good shape, pretty good shape, really good, good shape if Seen can pan out now and get the proper coaching. Cornerback, I think you've got three jobs that are essentially wide open, yeah. and they're all incredibly important. I got some free agent speculation for you guys here. Presented by our friends over at Livia, helping Purple Daily listeners and viewers lose a lot of weight over the past year and a half. 
Speaking of foot speed, speaking of a guy who went from being, look at the guy on the left. What is that? A defensive tackle, a three technique. My he's God, still really a nose slow, guard. But he's skinnier for sure. A nose guard. Well, the guy on the right, he's a cornerback. He's running with the receivers. He's shutting them down. He's jumping routes. And do you know why? Because that guy lost 40 pounds. And here's the best part. You can keep the weight off. This is the key. It's not a diet. It's Livia Weight Control Centers. And they are going to help you lose the weight and keep it off. And we have gotten pictures and notes from a ton of people uh, who who are in the PD family who absolutely have had success. And now as springtime comes around, I want you to be the latest to have success. The Judd offer, 50% off the program. That's right, 50% off the program if you call them or contact them online and say, I want the Judd from Score North deal, 855-GO-LIVIA, livia.com, L-I-V-E-A.com. If you want to move from nose guard to cornerback, you can do the same, livia.com. All right, boys. Three names to add to our pile here. Judd, you got us started with just some free agents. They're probably not going to be shopping at the top of the, the list. Them. Yeah, yeah, but they're probably not going to be landing anyone that makes like twenty million dollars a year. But um, I've got a cornerback and a couple linebackers for you to keep an eye on here. Yeah. Now that Brian Flores is in the house, let's start with uh, cornerback Rock Yasin from the Las Vegas Raiders. Twenty-six years old. He was a second-round pick out of Temple. He is currently fortieth on PFF's free agency big board. Projected contract, three years, $27 million, and here's the write-up. Over the past two seasons, uh, Rock Yasin's 74.4 coverage grade when lined up out wide ranks 27th, which is above average and very good, and his 70.9 coverage grade in press coverage ranks 23rd. So a guy that can hold his own in coverage out wide and in press, uh, and a guy that is 26 years old but isn't one of the top cornerbacks in terms of, like, value and price this would fit in and and this is the thing i'm going back and forth on there are cornerbacks they could draft in the first round but they also have three young guys that they like two that they drafted last year yes could they look to say all right let's get some let's get a sure thing here a 26 year old free agent let's go spend 10 million dollars a year on a 26 year old free agent doesn't have to be Patrick Peterson in his prime, but just a good, solid outside cornerback. And then let the young guys, so we know what one of them is going to be, and now we let the young guys and maybe Duke Shelley on a discounted contract fight it out for the other two starting jobs and depth. And Flores just coached him, so it's perfect, potentially. Yes. So like that, that works. Um, interesting. So I, I think Oh, wait, that, no, I said he, he played with the Raiders. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought, yeah. I, thought, I thought you'd said Pittsburgh. I'm sorry. My bad. But you know what intrigues me here is what I like about this is, okay, if you do that, you've answered at least one of three questions. Because, you know, with Sullivan gone too, you're going to need another outside starter, and you're not sure, and a nickel as well. So I really like the idea of not breaking the bank, but reallocating some of the cap room that you clear up for this spot like Mm -hmm. it's scare it scares me to get to the first day of training camp and basically have all projects i agree aside from dantzler and i mean duke shelley we don't know yet to your point so it scares me to get to the first day of camp and have three spots that are incredibly important to this defense be wild cards yeah all right number two here 
edge slash outside linebacker Kyle Van Noy was with the Chargers last year, 32 years old, so he doesn't quite fit like the 26-year-old, 27-year-old, you know, coming off a rookie-scale contract, but his connections to Brian Flores run a decade deep. So uh, Kyle Van Noy uh, spent years with the Patriots. He won two Super Bowls in New England with Brian Flores and then followed Flores to Miami in 2020. Uh-huh. He's still playing, even at age 32, at a pretty high level. Could be a good depth guy, a rotation guy as an edge in that system. He's more of a run stopper at this point in his career than like an electric pass rusher. Sure. But just the connection of Kyle Van Noy to Brian Flores going back to two stops in Miami and New England and the fact that he still wants to play at least another year. He's been doing some media stuff with Fox as well, so he's kind of like kind of like Patrick Peterson. He know, he can see the end of the of the tunnel, but he might be able to come in here and uh, and really help as both a player and kind of a pseudo assistant coach um, in Brian Flores' system. What's the projection on, on a contract? Um, like a one year. I think it was like a one year deal for. I, I I forgot to write that part down for Kyle Van Noy, but but not like that a much. like one year. Yeah, don't break the bank. Yep, I'm fine with that. Yep. Absolutely. And then another one that he wasn't on the uh, the PFF top 100 or on the ESPN list, but. Uh, one of our listeners actually DM'd and said, here's a name to keep an eye on, and, and I agree after doing some backgrounding here. Uh, edge rusher Andrew Van Ginkle was with the Dolphins for the last few years. So he spent, I believe, three years with Brian Flores in Miami. He's 27 years old. He was a fifth-round pick out of Wisconsin in 2019. Grew up in Rock Valley, Iowa. Has family oh. throughout Iowa and the Midwest. Good job. Good depth potential here. Another guy that's very good at run stopping and tackling. Not as much of an electric pass rusher, but you do need depth among your uh, your linebackers and edge rushing units because you don't you don't have a lot right now. I can see it. I guess my question is this too. So as you go about, or as Quasi goes about freeing up cap space potentially, okay, and there's going to have to be some difficult decisions made. What do you consider to be the most important spots to bring guys back at? For instance, like if you move on, if you don't move on from Zadarius and you have to move on from Dalvin, because like those spots are expensive now, is that worth the price? Because like that's that, I guess my question is when you have to make decisions ultimately, which they're going to, where do you put your, your investments in with the fact that there are several parts of this defense where you the one thing that you don't want to do is weaken it no um i mean are you saying that if you bring back zadarius and daniel you don't want to spend money on another edge is that what you're you're well i'm i'm saying if if you if you bring back zadarius and daniel not only do you probably not have the luxury of spending more on an edge but do you also not have the ability to Resigned Dalvin Tomlinson to yeah, a contract. I, my guess is, a little bit. like Van Noy and Van Ginkle, my guess is you'd only sign those guys if you said goodbye right. to either Daniil Hunter or Zadarius. Right. And then and then, then there'd be like a Patrick Jones, Kyle Van Noy kind of a thing, you know, rotating in and out. So just three more names. Three more All names right. to, to put on your well, list to keep an eye on here as uh, free agency is about a month away. Keep in mind, too. The question that I think is a fair one to ask and will at least start to play out in the spring and as we get into training camp is this. How much of Quasi's first draft class now defensively might not have been cultivated correctly and now might be? I'm just saying there could be some there could be some pieces that we have no clue about and who look like potential, if not busts, 
like the development was not there because I don't know how well some of those guys probably got coached. Yeah, it's well, it's it's going to be a fun off season from that perspective because now it's like there's just so much more to speculate on and there's just so much of a difference in scheme. Uh, we have to stop now because we have Mackie and Judd to record and then other things to get to, but we will have so many more conversations about the Brian Flores hire, what it means, and I feel like I should say Kirk Cousins just because we are contractually obligated, you know, to talk and complain about Kirk Cousins. So Kirk Cousins, I just want to throw his name out there. I'm sure there's uh, fights right now <laughs> in our comments about Kirk. When we don't even mention his name, there's these massive brawls about Kirk Cousins. <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you over on Mackie and Judd. And if you missed the reckless draft speculation with Thor Nystrom, definitely check that out as well. We'll see you tomorrow for Write That Down predictions and an accountability session on Purple Daily.